0: Look, it takes money to make money, Strang. Otherwise, hell, every pauper be a
1: king. I'm ready to run now. Three years, crawl, walk, and then run. How could you do it? What?
2: Go nonstop hound on your ex like that. It
1: was easy. Just tell her I was on the road working on extradition. Lots of extraditions. Brought back something like five hundred fugitives in a three-year period. I think. What if I told you that there's a certain liberation, not in command or in self-control? What in surrender? Well, that depends on who you surrendering to.
2: Van, my biggest takeaway of episode eight: moral midgetry, mm. which. I guess kind of, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, even though that's not a word, that's a politically incorrect word now.
0: Yeah, you can't say it anymore. Uh, Like, I actually, I'm going to tell you that I have in my notes that this is the first time I think ever since we've been doing a podcast that on my what age the worst is actually the title of the episode. Look at that! Look at you giving that away. <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> we'll just repeat it la- la- later. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. It, it kind of didn't age very gracefully. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest takeaway though from this episode is, man, some people got red for filth up in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it it it. Look, a lot of people was they should have stayed low. All right, because mm-hmm. um, it was some shots coming from all directions. And um, I think, you know, two of the more important scenes of this episode, or the two most, I think, important scenes of this episode, when you think about the meticulous care of the wire, these are scenes that it took seasons to build. Yeah. Seasons to build. And finally, they're here. So I'm just really excited to talk about all the filter reading that went down in moral
0: midgetry. It was an episode where a lot of things kind of came to a head that have been working on. And like you said... It's really one of the most important episodes in the history of the show, just because in any show, not just The Wire, but in any show, there are very few episodes of a show where multi-seasonal arcs um, get like sort of reconciled, like that. That mm-hmm. you know, obviously b- by design, you can't have that every single show. It takes like there's a handful of shows in any show like that that's episodic where you know you really get it's like. Gus getting half of his face blown off and Breaking Bad. You're not going to have that every show because, you know, it takes a couple of seasons to build up to... I to, wish to I gotta, got that huh? reference,
2: but I know. I, I just thought, I, I thought about it
0: mid-reference that you didn't get that reference. You know what I mean? I oh, I got reference. one. Did you watch The Sopranos? I did. You didn't or you did?
2: I did. I did. I okay. watched all The Sopranos.
0: Right. So you can't kill Big Pussy uh, every episode. It can only happen... You know what That's I mean? It can't, it's got to it, it,
2: culminate. It's got to be a big
0: band. Right, okay. right. And yeah. so, you know, even though no one dies here, it is still uh, is an episode where some huge, huge things were reconciled. For me, though, the takeaway was be careful what you wish for.
1: Mm-hmm. And I Ain't have the truth.
0: so many uh, examples of this. Um, Bunny Colvin and Amsterdam, Hamsterdam, it coming to a head. Look around. Be careful what you wish for. Like, you got everything that you wanted. Now look what you've created. Uh, Cuddy is out of jail, and he is now realizing how much effort it takes to be, like, a normal person, right? He has what he wants. Karketty is now getting more sort of a, a shine or more spotlight in what he's doing, and now he has to put work in. He has to get media trained. All of that stuff. It's the the, the process of it. Stringer, obviously.
2: Yeah, that's obviously. a no-brainer. That's
0: a no-brainer. Stringer wanted to be... It, Stringer's thing in this in this episode reminds me a lot of what Levy told to Orlando. It's like, you wanted to be in the game? Now you're in the game. Stringer, you wanted this from Clay Davis? Now you're in the game.
2: Right, you wanted to be this big-time businessman, you wanted to do everything legit? Here's what comes with that.
0: Now here's what comes with that. Avon, you wanted war... Now you got war. Now yes. you, didn't, you didn't, but now Avon probably doesn't care, but you know, you got popped in the shoulder after getting food.
1: You got <laughs> popped, like you,
0: you got popped in the shoulder. Now everything's falling apart. Marlo is not who you thought he was. Be careful what you wish for. McNulty, you, you wanted to, you know, uh kick up some dust and do all of these other things that you're doing. Now things are getting getting a little bit tougher for you. And the the best the biggest one is this, Brianna.
2: Ooh, I'm telling you, that's a big one.
0: Brianna wanted her son to not flip. She wanted D'Angelo Barsdale to take those years. She begged for it. She put the legacy of the family forward. She called upon him as a member of that family and someone who had to carry that name on. She implored him. And now she has to look face-to-face in the mirror in the form of McNulty in this point and look at her handiwork. Be careful what you wish for. That's what exactly what you ask your son to do is exactly what's coming back on you now.
2: Now, even if you wanted to take a 10,000-foot view, you could also say that she wanted her son in the game, period. Uh, oh, absolutely. Right? Hell, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the bigger thing is, like, she wanted him to, in the game and this is what comes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, You wanted, she wanted to make, um, you know, build that that strong family dynasty, if you will. Well, she got exactly what she asked for. Absolutely. Um, and, and even more that she didn't, because that's, mm-hmm. that's normally how it is. So I think that's just such a good through line. And then on a smaller level, speaking of be careful what you wish for, last episode, Kimi gets kicked out the house. Now she's back in the house. Be careful what you wish Be for. Be careful
0: what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. A lot of characters got things in this episode that they thought that they wanted. And it kind of turned everything on its ear. Yeah. Even Stringer. Um, even Stringer. Like, like Stringer. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Stringer. Got a couple things he, he thought that he wanted on the other side of things. But we'll talk about it later.
2: Uh so with that, let's just move on to this to this uh episode recap. So um the lines have been drawn on Hamsterdam. You know, you have unexpectedly Carver seems to have really taken to what this plan is all about, mm-hmm. but there is some serious resistance in the unit uh about what Bunny Colvin is doing. And Bunny Colvin, who at the same time is trying to evolve Amsterdam. Uh, you know, it, it is basically a den of iniquity. And now he's trying to move some social services in there because, as you so uh, appropriately put it, you know, he came up with this plan that was well-intentioned, if you want to say, starting mm-hmm. a free drug zone is that. And now it's created all these different social issues about abandoned children, uh, drug use, overdoses, you know, it. He's really compiled all of the city's problems and dropped them in one area with no resources, and now right. he's trying to. He's seeing. He's trying to backpedal a little bit, and you know, kind of take care of those problems. Stringer, Stringer, and Avon have it out. Uh, this has been building over the course of two seasons, just about. Uh, they have it out. Uh, Brianna and McNulty have a confrontation. Uh, as well, Cuddy finds his purpose, which is turns out it's boxing, <laughs> right. and he has this desire uh, to certainly to give back. The detail is edging just a little bit closer to figuring out the phone operation once again. Of a Stringer Bell and Avon Barksdale led operation, uh, so they're getting a little closer, and we're seeing some real progress. Carchetti as you mentioned, he's getting schooled about the difference between winning an argument and winning the crowd. Oh and,
0: wow, what a yeah. fantastic way to put that! Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He's he's getting an education because he is, as uh, Terry uh, Diagostino has aptly pointed out about him is that he comes off as a bit of a know-it-all, and she's mm-hmm. trying to get him ready to challenge Mayor Royce uh, for uh, Baltimore's mayoral position. Now, normally, those who listening know on this podcast, we usually do a deep dive into one character, but the best scene in this, which we both agree what it was, is so powerful, and- It so explains a lot of things that happened in season three and even the things that happened the rest of this season that rather than taking a deep dive into a character, we're going to take a deep dive into the scene. And that scene, of course, is when Stringer and Avon, at the end of this episode, it's it's so interesting to me that this happened at the very end of this episode, they Mm -hmm. finally have the conversation that they have been avoiding for. A few well, I wouldn't say two seasons, but like a season and a half they've been a avoid- mm-hmm. they've been building to this moment where finally uh and and look if anybody's been in a in a relationship, we've all had this moment within a relationship too, where you have uh you know a relationship that there are problems, you ignore them, you try to work around them, you try to navigate them, you try to not talk about them thinking they'll go away and finally, the shit is just gonna be what it is and Mm y'all got to have it out. And finally, we see the true crack in Stringer and Avon's relationship. You know what the difference is
0: between me and you? I bleed red, you bleed green. What you been building for us, huh? You know what, I look at you these days, you know what I see? I see a man without a country. Not hard enough for this right here. And maybe, just maybe, not smart enough for them out there. Not hard enough. No offense. I don't think you ever really were. You got skills, yeah, no doubt, but... What? <laughs> what, because I don't shoot up a block indiscriminate? I ain't hard enough? huh? Because I think before I snatch a life, I ain't in this bullshit. Snatch a life? <laughs> <laughs> what life you snatch, huh?
2: Uh, ben, what did you think about this scene? What are, what are some of your
0: impressions and thoughts? Number one, the scene happened with both of the guys being wounded in what they are. So, Avon is the physical guy. He's the guy that goes out there and puts hits on people. He's a physical warrior. He goes out there and he wants to make his actual presence felt by getting his hands around a situation. He's a body guy, a gun guy, a warrior, right? A warrior uses his hands and stuff like that. So, Avon is injured. He's wounded. His body is wounded. He's actually in a weakened state physically when this happens, which is playing with his patience level, which is playing with his ability to take on problems right now because he's agitated. He's uncomfortable. He's been bested. Marlowe is a step ahead of Marlowe. Really, in a lot of ways is making Avon look like a D2 player. If we really look at it, you know, that, that's that's real. That's that's that is so real. Right. Like Marlo. Really, when we talk about the D two players. We never include Avon, and he's obviously not. But in this situation, Marlo is completely outmaneuvering Avon at every single turn. Avon physically wounded. Stringer is wounded both mentally and spiritually. Right. Stringer, his spirit is is uncomfortable because of the conversations that he's having with Brianna. Those conversations he's had with Brianna, even though String felt like he did what he had to do, he is clearly uncomfortable with having to look into her eyes, lie to her, string her along, and the whole deal, because he realizes that she sees right through him. That's bothering him. And from the mental aspect of it, he knows, a part of Stringer knows he's getting played by Clay Davis. He is not in you his think, comfort zone. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah I, 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 I think you're probably right about that.
0: I, like, he is not in his comfort zone. He is grasping at something. He is a guy who's slowly drowning and is slowly starting to realize that, that he's not just drowning because he can't swim. He's drowning because somebody is pulling on his foot and pulling him down. So these two men who are basically at different ways, both out of the element that they are normally used to dominating, right? Stringer in the mental aspect, despite what we talk about, uh, you know, every single podcast. And Avon in the aspect of Warriors. They are both at a point where they have had a curtain pulled back on them and they are just two guys now, two human beings now, actually two bros now, two dudes now that are agitated on each other's nerves. All of this stuff, right? And because of that, because they're not being able to lead with whatever else is going on, it finally comes out. And oftentimes, when you're in that situation with people in the relationship like you're talking about, it doesn't happen when you're up. It doesn't happen when you're on vacation. Well, sometimes it has happened to me when you're on vacation. But it, like it, it, it most of, often happens when the stress of things has taken away your ability to bullshit with one another. Avon and Stringer can't bullshit. Yo, my shoulder hurting, dog. My chest hurting. Yo, man, I don't know if this dude I just gave a quarter million to is on the level or not. I feel weird about it. I'm not fucking with your bullshit. You're not fucking with mine. All right, let's talk some real shit. And the scene, and they actually even come to physical confrontation in the scene. That's the first thing that I saw was like these are two guys that are in different ways uh, uh, are wounded and have had their fastballs taken away.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing that that I thought of seeing their argument, it reminds me of something that I heard a relationship therapist say. And I don't think this is the only relationship therapist to say this. I think many of them say this is that when you're in a um, in, in a relationship with somebody, you got to learn how to fight fair. That's like one of the most mm. difficult things to learn, and you could tell there was the the respect was gone just based off what they were saying to each other. Right. That and some of that, I think these were feelings that always existed, but as you said, because they had a successful business, because they had other things that could distract them from what they really felt for one another. And I believe there was love there, but I definitely think even with even in any close friendship, I still think there's a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And in both in in their own ways, in different ways, I should say, they thought they were better than the other person. Sure. See, Ava, yeah, Avon thought he was. I mean, as it came out in that scene, he definitely thought he was tougher than Stringer. He definitely thought he was more gangster than Stringer, and so therefore, he thought he was better at it than he was. Stringer definitely thought he was smarter than Avon. He definitely thought he could operate better from the big picture. And I think to some degree, he thought he was a better CEO than Avon.
1: Mm -hmm. Period. And so
2: they're bringing all this, their original deep down in those places they don't want to talk about type of thoughts to a conversation where they're frustrated because they're both trying to get accustomed to a new world. Now, even though Avon does know about some gangster shit... This ain't the same gangster world that he left when he went into jail. Mm -hmm. He has competition in the sense that there is somebody else that he knows is better at this shit, not at him. His time has passed, right? And he's seeing this happen before his eyes, and it's frustrating to him because he can't get a handle on it. He used to be able um, to navigate these situations so much easier than he is, but he ain't as young as he used to be. He ain't got the muscle he used to, and he ain't got the territory. Somebody else has that. For Stringer, you know, that's why I love that line that Avon says to him, you a man without a country.
1: Yeah. Like,
2: he he is trying to, Mm -hmm. he's so used to being the smartest person in the room, and I think I said this before about him, and one of my frustrations about Stringer Bell, period, is that you can tell the dude that's used to being the smartest person in a room full of dumb motherfuckers you can tell that dude and he's used to being that guy like clay davis ain't shamrock dog he's not him right okay it's like this is a different level and you're dealing with businessmen who have made it a practice to take suckers like you Mm -hmm. and until you said it i didn't think about it like damn did he know how could he not know? Somebody supposedly that street smart. How could he not know that he was being taken? But I think, and I've seen, again, to use a relationship analogy, I've seen this happen to a lot of people and why they wind up staying in bullshit-ass relationships. It gets to a point where it's not about trying to get to a healthy place in that relationship or a healthy place outside of it. They just want to be right. Stringer mm-hmm. wants to be right he wants to prove that the legitimate way is the best way this is the way to do it and come hella high water no matter how many briefcases he has to fl- a slide clay davis he's gonna do it even though the gangster in him knows like you know this shit don't make no sense right like this doesn't mm-hmm. make any fucking sense it took Avon. i bring this up again two times to meet with these dudes and be like nah that ain't me that's all you Mm-hmm. he could see the game coming, right? right? And he ain't been involved with them for months and greasing the wheels and having these meetings and going over these plans. So it's just fascinating to see them both at this point where they honestly have to face their weaknesses in ways that they have never had to confront up until
0: now. Yeah. My father once told me something. And he goes, do you know what the most important belief in the world is, in the history of the world is? And I was like, no, Dad. And this is when he dropped some of that Southern man wisdom. He said, the most important belief is what you want to believe. And he said that in in reaction to a situation that one of my homeboys had got in. I think I talked about this. If not, I'll tell a quick Van Lathan sidebar story. Um, I have a roommate. This was circa 2001. One of my best friends. I will omit names so that no one gets their feelings hurt. We're in there and I'm in there. I'm cooking a whole chicken. I'm baking a chicken, right? Baking a whole chicken. You know, it was the age of we not having a lot of money. So if we could scrounge together some money, we get the whole chicken, we eat off of it for a couple of days. I start baking the chicken. Okay. I finish baking the chicken. I'm tired. Around the time I'm finished baking the chicken, a young lady comes over to the apartment to visit my roommate. Okay. We're all talking. The chicken's done. I take the chicken out of the oven. I then. Go to the go. Uh, I pour a little bit of the hen dog with some coke. I lay on the couch, okay, and I'm watching Belly. I fall asleep. All right.
2: Well, you were watching Belly, so
0: I watch. I watch don't handle Belly. What I
2: say. I like.
0: I watch <laughs> Belly. I fall asleep. There's a knock on the door. I wake up. Um, two things happen. Number one is the chicken still on? No, I took the chicken off. Great. So I'm, I'm startled. Well, I knock on the door. I go and I answer the door. When I answer the door, it is my roommate's girlfriend. Now, my roommate is in his room with another young lady. His girlfriend is there. I have been asleep, so I haven't heard the phone ringing. It was the girlfriend calling. She looks at me. I look at her. And all of a sudden, I go, oh, he, he ain't here. She knows that's bullshit. She storms past me, goes into the room. I sit on the couch, there's yelling back and forth, she turns around, she leaves. Uh we I didn't the smoke settles, the other girl leaves, that was funny. The smoke settles, the other girl leaves, it's just funny watching her walk out after all of that went down. Then I grab my homeboy and we I take him to his girlfriend's house, he pleads with her, they squash it whatever. Okay?
2: Okay. And impressive. when I'm telling
0: when I'm telling my dad about this, my dad goes, The strongest belief in the world is what you want to believe. She goes, she doesn't want to believe what she saw. That's not what she wants to believe. So all she needs is somebody else to come in and fill up the bullshit for. She wants to believe the other thing. He says, remember, what people want to believe is normally the most important thing. They'll die for it. They'll kill for it. Stringer Bell wants to believe one day he is going to be some kind of huge, huge, huge real estate magnate in, 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 in Baltimore. That's what he wants to believe. He's staking his future on that belief. The thing with Clay Davis is bullshit and he smells it. Every time he's around Clay Davis, he's uncomfortable. Every time he gives Clay Davis money, he's hesitant. Every time everything happens, he knows that's not right. But what he wants to believe is a certain uh, future and a certain version of himself. As far as Avon's concerned, it's the same thing. Avon wants to believe he is going to touch down and take back all of his corners and everything that's going on. Even with every piece of evidence to the contrary. the The reality is he should go with Stringer's plan. He should because it's not just the path of least resistance right now. It's the path that makes the most sense for the actual point that they are at in their careers. You've been off the street for a little while. This guy got his muscle together. The, the more important thing, the, the, the smarter thing would have been to do is to for them to lay back, build their money up. And then, if they wanted their corners, come back and Marlow when they were stronger. That's not how Avon sees himself. That's not what he wants to believe about himself. Another thing about those two guys is do you know what kind of groups stay together? Mm. Groups that have to stay together.
1: Right. Those are the
0: types of groups to stay together. There's a reason why NSYNC broke up, but Boys to Men is still Tory. The reason is because Boys to Men, even though they are. Fucking fantastic, and y'all hate on Boys to Men like they didn't run it for a whole decade. But whatever. Oh, don't even get me started how people underrate Boys to Men. It's it's so weird and stupid as if we didn't live through all of that. They like they couldn't miss. I'm about to say couldn't miss. I mean like the biggest group in the world. It's weird. It's a weird thing. But anyway, um, but Boys to Men didn't have a Justin Timberlake. They didn't have one guy who could go and do like they had to stay together in sync. Didn't. Some of these other groups, they don't. Like, they have a guy that will leave the other group behind and go off and get all of this money and break them up. Both Stringer and Avon think that they're Justin Timberlake. They have come to the point where they are looking at each other and wondering who's going to sing backup and who's going to sing lead who's going to dance, who's got the curly hair, who gets Britney Spears, all of that stuff. And they can't come together on that. They're wondering, a fundamental wonder for both of those guys is, at this point, do I need this other guy? That is when relationships break up.
2: Yeah, um, and, and now everything you said was fact. Although I'm wondering how would you look at New Edition then? Because they split in like 62 groups. (laughs) I was like, did they never need each other? Because they were able to do a lot with with five or six
0: people. That's an interesting one, right? So at first they did, then they didn't, then they did again. Because BBD was hot, really. BBD rivaled anything. And Bobby Brown was hot, but then, let's face it, both BBD and Bobby Brown cooled down. And so after both of those guys cooled down, um, and they came back together. But once again, proves my point, because they had to. I'm predicting something right now. When Justin Timberlake is convinced that he is cold, NSYNC will do a world tour. But the reality here is you have two guys who both think that they can sing lead. And not only that, but they can't even see the value of the group anymore. Um, and that's why the tension. And everything that happened with this scene was so palpable because this is the the explosion of all the simmering that was going on before. I watched it like four times in a row, man. Everything that's going back, like like when Avon talks to Stringer, he still talks to him as a subordinate.
2: Yeah, like he doesn't even consider him an equal. That's why I said What, what really comes out is that they probably didn't notice it, You know, because when times are good, you don't notice things like this. Mm -hmm. But when you have a friendship and times get a little rocky or there's some adversity, then you start to notice what the other person really thinks about you. Mm -hmm. And it was very evident to me that Avon did not consider him an equal. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if he ever did. And probably it was the same for Stringer, is that he may have been quieter about it, but there were a lot of instances, because this scene forces you to kind of... Consider all the scenes they've been in together. And it particularly got me to reflect on the first season. And there were a a lot of scenes in which you could tell that Stringer, I don't know if he was necessarily looking to unseat Avon, but I think he always understood that he had value that was higher than what Avon appeared to value him at. He was good with it because business was good. But the moment, that there was a change and Avon went off, uh, you know, to prison, then he gets the opportunity to taste what it's like to be at the head of the table in real time. And mm-hmm. now, to your point, you got two Eddie Canes. like, <laughs> Right. And that shit sure ain't going to work, right? Right. You know? Yeah, you I mean, to Eddie be honest Canes. with
0: you, a, a, two Eddie Canes. How could you have two Eddie? Boy, two mm-hmm. Eddie Canes. You That just hit me. You got two Eddie nice Cane's. You got like two David. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, Something else, though. Remember, in the first season, every time we get game, we get it from string. Avon is a symbol for a lot of the first season of the show. Avon admonishes stringer. We get some game from Avon at the end, but it's always like, we, we get we get game from Avon in terms of when in the scene where he's talking to D'Angelo. We definitely get some, but, but like in terms of that's almost like family advice. But when we, when, when a lot of times when we get game, when we get schemes, when we get how to play things on the street, all of that's coming directly from Stringer and you see his value in the organization. But it's like you see his value in the organization in shaping and helping to craft uh Avon's view of things, right? Right. And... It makes Stringer seem cooler. He never seems stressed out. Right. Like, the head, his head gets so heavy when that crown is on it. And what this was, this scene really was, was him shaking that heaviness off. He dropped it right on um, Avon, both mentally and physically. And that's why the part where Avon attacks Stringer, Stringer repels the attack, and ends up on top of him. that shit off you, put it on me, man, because that motherfucker was out, out of pocket with that shit. 20 years above his fucking head. He flipped, man, they got you, me, and fucking Brianna. No fucking way, man. Hell no. Now, I know you, you that family, you love that nigga, but you want to talk that blood is thicker than water bullshit. Take that shit somewhere else, nigga. That motherfucker would've taken down the whole fucking show starting with you, killer. It's fucking everything and everybody. Let me up. Let me up. And Stringer in that in that case is the truth. It's the truth that's weighing on Avon. Because the truth is, if we're looking at this situation from a strictly business drug dealer organization standpoint, he did have to kill D'Angelo. Right. There was no way that they were going to be safe as long as D'Angelo. D'Angelo was not only... Uh, disgruntled, but he was growing vindictive, and he was upset. And he didn't just—D'Angelo, at the point that he died, he didn't just want to see the end of his or, his, his, uh, his relationship with his uncle. He wanted to see the end of that type of exploitation. He thought all of it was bad, and he wanted to free himself of it. no telling what he would have done. So the reason why A- A- Avon in that scene is all curled up and repelling And Stringer's on top of him because that's actually the weight that Stringer's been feeling. He's now giving it to him, both like literally and I guess kind of like in the abstract. So, you know, I watched it. And I also watched, if you watch at the end of the scene, and this was interesting, I don't know if you caught this, I asked you about this. When you watch at the end of the scene, Avon says, Let me up. He says it twice. It looked to me as if Stringer contemplated not letting him up. He hesitated. And I wonder what happens if he doesn't let him up there. I wonder, I really wondered when I watched the scene back for like the third or fourth time, if Stringer was thinking, do I just take this nigga out right here? Right. I could. And because he hesitated, he says, let me up. He says, "Let me up again." The stringer looks at him a second, and then the rage washes back, and he lets him up. And then we're we're to credits.
2: Well, if you think about it, it would have been you know you talk about instincts. Like he he knew purely from a business standpoint, D'Angelo had to go. And I remember we had this discussion um, after D'Angelo's death because there was a conversation, a key conversation. D'Angelo, or not D'Angelo, excuse me, Stringer and Avon had, and I swore it sounded like Avon was kind of giving him the go-ahead to do what he needed to do with Mm D'Angelo. I mean, he kind of washed his hands of it a little bit. And so there's a part of me that always wondered if he knew what actually happened to him. He may not know it was Stringer, but he knew that it wasn't a suicide, right? Mm-hmm. But the suicide gave him such a clear conscience because then he could say like, oh, he was weak. I knew it. Like he they could use, he could use that as a justification for what happened to him. So, um, you know, you wonder like if you're a stringer in that moment, maybe he should have followed the same instincts he had with D'Angelo, even though D'Angelo was quote unquote family. Think about how much easier his life would have been had he just gotten rid of Avon.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it's true. That's a big file us away for later as far as, you know, decisions that get made at the end of the season. But, like, it also recently doing a Game of Thrones rewatch in here and, like, Ramsey, Ramsey Bolton kills Roose Bolton. And then everybody in Winterfell just goes along with him as Lord Bolton. Right. You know, it's like you're talking to your Lord right after he kills the Lord in front of everyone, right? Because Ramsey had been out there as a military leader. He commanded his men a little bit more. He had to. If Stringer kills Avon right there, if he doesn't decide to let him up and he chokes him out, you know, right there, does Slim Charles come in the room and kill Stringer? Do like what happens? Like it, 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 it Does it, does, do they move on? I don't, I don't know what happens. I don't know. I mean, at that point, Avon is the undisputed head of the organization. So whereas stringer might've wanted to, might've not wanted to let go of him. He had to. And that's another thing about stringer. He doesn't have enough power anywhere. He's always being underhanded trying to do what he wants to do. He has to willpower, but hide what he's doing from Avon, right? Because Avon has that. On the other side of things, he has to fund shit, but not really be able to call the shots because that's what he had right. to do. For as 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 uh, important and integral a character Stringer Bell is, he maintains a powerlessness throughout this series that has got to have been eating him alive he was. He felt vindicated that he finally told Avon that it was him who made a decision. I made this decision without you, despite you, and I made this happen. And because I made this happen, we are better off. So basically, if I was running shit, we wouldn't be in this position we're in right now. Right. Although,
2: That's- I mean, the the other thing too with that is that. Uh- I think he also wanted him to know because Avon kind of came at his manhood. I mean, not kind of, he did. He basically said he was soft. Mm -hmm. And he needed to let him know, like, yeah, I might have on this this suit, but I still get in them streets like I need to, even though, you know, he's calling on somebody else's murder. It ain't like he did it himself. But like Mm -hmm. the the whole point is that he wanted to know, he he wanted him to know he was capable capable of making those decisions. Um, Bottom line question, who do you think was right? Who won the argument?
0: Oh, what a dope-ass question. I think String won the argument. I'm disappointed I think- in you, Van. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm, kid- I'm kidding.
0: I think String won. By the way, as many people have pointed out to me, I said erroneously, or I'd asked the question earlier on, uh if stringer had ever picked up a gun in the series this is the episode where he does pick up a gun so he does it's the only time i think i remember seeing him with one he might have one later on in the series i don't want to say now that you know uh and so him picking up that gun and sort of you know putting it in his in his uh in his waistband almost signifies him getting back in a way to whoever he was when he was less refined yeah which is which is which is kind of what he did in the scene with Avon. When Avon said Stringer didn't have it in him, he didn't just say he didn't have him in him. He said, no offense, you never really did. Right. So there's only one thing that somebody else... There's only one thing, one way that someone can insult you worse than telling you, you ain't shit. And that's to say, you really ain't never been shit. You know, I never thought you was shit. God damn. And by the way, when I would hear my parents have these arguments, which I did a lot... My dad would call it Mad Day. When Mad Day come, your mama gonna tell me everything that she think about me. That's exactly what would happen. It's not just I fuck you now. It's like really, it's always kind of been fuck you. But I think I think Stringer won because he really had the truth on his side. He had truths that he had been concealing. But the truth is, when Avon said you you ain't never snatched a life, Avon was wrong. He had. When 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 Stringer when Stringer said that uh that Avon was going straight to the mattresses. And actually, in a way, being a little sloppy and a little reckless in the way that he was doing this, and basically implying that he was being outmaneuvered by Marlowe, he was. Avon was sitting up there. I know everyone loves Avon Barstool. Avon was sitting up there with pellets in his shoulder because Marlowe saw through their little scheme and put Chris on him. You know what I mean? And of course, because he got food, which you should never do in the wire.
2: Yeah, I, I was gonna point that out. I was like, got food. He got <laughs> like, food.
0: He got he got like, food. Um, And so because of that, I think that Stringer won and he physically ended up on top because in this situation, he was right.
2: Well, Stringer was more right than Avon was. However, I think it needs to be brought up that ultimately on a lot of things, Avon was right too. Mm -hmm. He was definitely right about him being built by, um, you know, the Clay Davises. That's why he told him, you a man without a country, like you operating in the world that frankly, you're not knowledgeable enough to really navigate that world like you do The Dope Game. Avon mm-hmm. was dead right about that. That's and true. The, the other thing he was really, um, you know, kind of right about is uh, Stringer was kind of taking Marlo lightly. And, you know, when he approached him, he's trying to appeal to him like Marlo's rational. Mm-hmm. He When he went to him with his business proposition and said, hey, you know, you join this co op, we can get you all legal, squared away, take care of you, your money's washed, everything's good. And Avon basically told him, You can't reason with somebody like that. Like, that shit ain't gonna work. Nope. And we gotta go to war. The way that he did it was obviously poor in its execution, but he wasn't wrong about Marlo. Marlo was a threat, and Marlo was never gonna come to the table the way that Stringer needed him to, to have a peaceful operation. That dude wasn't trying to follow nobody. He was right. trying to run the shit. Right. And Avon could see it because he used to have it. And that's mm-hmm. why he was trying to tell Stringer, like, you out here trying to play them, you know, Brooks Brothers games. Like, this is some real street shit that's happening here that you need to understand and take care of instead of being, you know, all off with the developer and Clay Davis and whatnot. So in a way, they were both right. I think, Stringer was just a little more right just because, you know, he knew D'Angelo. I mean, he he knew from season one D'Angelo was a weakness. He knew right. as soon as he got caught by the police, he's like, that's a liability right there. Right. And Avon couldn't see it. And ultimately, the reason that they wound up not just getting broken down the organization in season one, but also, you know, subsequently after that was because he failed... To acknowledge and recognize and be real about what that weakness was.
0: Avon, I'll tell you one thing. Last thing I will say, Avon could see it, Jamel. It's but
2: He didn't he want to believe it, like your dad said?
0: Didn't want to believe it. That's his blood. He could see it. He could see it. He had to know. Didn't want to believe that D was exactly who he was. Yeah, which I, I like. His- I like D.
2: The truth is, is like had he been anybody but D'Angelo Barksdale, Avon would have probably got rid of him. Well, long time ago, long, long time, time ago,
0: ago. it had been a long around. time ago. But I will um, say before we leave, this scene way up there on the list. When when everything's all said and done, we will wrap up best scenes ever. Way up on the list of greatest scenes in the history of the show. Way up on the list.
2: Would you rank it as the best scene in
0: season three thus far, without a doubt?
2: Mm, okay. Now there's
0: another one. That I, that between these two guys that I like almost as much. It's a lot funnier. But, uh, but thus far, without a doubt, I think it's the best season. The All best right. scene.
2: So there's our deep dive into the infamous Stringer-Avon um, confrontation. Second on the list of being read for filth was McNulty and Brianna. Oh!
1: D'Angelo hung himself. Hmm? Not with the belt they found around his neck. Not at that distance between the doorknob and the floor. Nobody would have dared. My brother, his uncle, would have. I agree with you. Avon and Dee was family. Family, right. (laughs) This is just you talking, right? I mean, anyone else saying it? Nah, it's just me. No one else cares. Right. It's just I don't know, on the inside. Somebody's going after you, he's got a beef, sees red, they use a shank. It's quick, and it's over. D'Angelo was strangled. Look, I'm just sorry I brought this whole mess up to begin with, because frankly, no one's going to do shit about it anyhow. Whoever killed him wanted to pass it off as a suicide, but cops are happy enough to have one less murder to investigate. On top of that, the Anna Arundel State's attorney doesn't give a fuck. I'm not supposed to give a fuck, so I guess your son just got squeezed between the sides.
2: That was like by far the, the to me, the second best scene. And it feels almost like I'm underrating it or disrespecting it by calling it the second best. It's just that the Avon-Stringer confrontation was just that great, right? right? And so, but this one, this one was another one where, uh, you know, McNulty of all people and it, it, like him, hate him, whatever. The one thing about McNulty is he may be arrogant he may be self righteous, but he doesn't bullshit. And yeah. what he told Brianna was some shit that she has needed to hear since D'Angelo went to jail. Since uh-huh. she was the one that convinced him to take that plea, eat the years for the family, she basically sacrificed her son. And while she's you know doing all this crying and being guilt ridden and all these other things, and um, uh, unable to really get over his suicide, the part of it. Like you said, or like your father said, she didn't want to believe that she had any hand in what happened to her son. And the truth is, she always did. The moment she convinced him to be in the dope game or groomed him for the dope game was the moment she lost her
0: son. Yep. I think the most striking thing about the scene is that, you know, Minolte doesn't have a dog in the fight.
2: Yeah, and that he's right. a perfect... I think that's what makes what he said to her colder. Right. He's a total outsider, and he total. came in there and peeped her entire
0: game. Doesn't... And and he he doesn't give a fuck anymore, right? So he has no more use for her. He has no more use for D'Angelo, who is dead. He has no more use for any of them. He's really on to something that really doesn't have a lot to do with her um, in, in the first place. And so, well, well, in, I guess in the last place. So everything that he's telling her is straight from the heart. He's not bullshitting her into trying to get her to do something. He's not, he's not trying to play her against somebody else. I mean, everything he's telling her, because really, he had given up on that. He shook the tree on it before. It didn't really go anywhere. Or he was in there. And he says early in the episodes, come on, I'm kind of over it now. It's kind of like, whatever. And when he gets there, and he's talking about like, you know, the reason why I didn't come to you with it because I wanted someone who actually gave a fuck about him.
2: Which to me was the coldest line the in the coldest entire conversation. Line. He you just didn't told give, her, "You didn't give a fuck about your own son."
0: If you cared about your son, you'd have wanted your son to do the thing that was best for him, but you wanted him to do the thing that was best for everybody else. So, you know, he's telling her all of this stuff. He even, even it's a very matter of fact He's like, you know, he as I liked him, you know, he was decent, you know, all things considered. But you didn't give a fuck about that. Blah, 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 blah. And just the way she eats it all, right. it's just, it was, it was crazy. I actually have written down right here on the paper also one of the best scenes <laughs> in the history of the show. It like it, it, it really is.
2: Uh, what other uh scenes did you notate? I'm gonna run through them quick.
0: Uh Stringer and Clay Davis. Once again, Stringer showing that he's a D2 player. Um <laughs> and Clay Davis is just beautiful. Clay yeah. Davis is just Beautiful, man. He, just I mean, the, his
2: beautiful. finesse game is just so good.
0: <laughs> right. Um, Jimmy's little racial profiling that happens. Hilarious. Hysterical. I love that. Um, when Cuddy finds his purpose, I love that. Stringer and Bri- Brianna is another good scene. The roles flip, right? Now, Brianna's more like McNulty, delivering a truth to Stringer or poking at him to a truth, and Stringer is having trouble reconciling that. It's almost a like a, 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 a polar opposite of that. Uh, Avon and Slim. When Avon is talking to Slim Charles, Avon isn't perfect. He's playing things wrongly. He's not, he, he's cooking up something. When he's giving Slim, telling, telling Slim Charles like what they're going to do, and all of that stuff like that, Avon is underestimating Marlowe. Like I said, a little bit of a D2 thing situation right there. And of course, Marlo and Devon. Marlowe, the angel of death. Um, <laughs> uh, as there's a high percentage of people who speak to Marlo Stansfield in this show that just die because they spoke to him, and right. she, she we'll doesn't have to even... count what that what that body count is. Right, she doesn't even know, and just, yeah. just and watching the whole scene, the 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 calculating and very methodical way that he sees through that from the beginning, that whole little saga, I loved it.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a huge file. that's away for later for sure. Um, mm-hmm. That that entire uh, interaction. Um, as I mentioned before, I thought Terry uh, Diagostino's speech to Carcetti said so much about American politics and how shit mm-hmm. like really is. Is that you know? I, and I it's funny. I used to say this um, when I did uh, when I was working at ESPN, and you know, just getting into ratings conversations with people, I would say, "Look, we all have the same information." We all know how many points somebody scored last night. We all know who won the game. We're all dealing with the same basic groups of facts. Who you decide to watch is based off how much you like them. And that's literally Mm -hmm. it. How much they appeal to you. That's it. It's not like you're getting anything new on this show that you're not getting on this show. All the same stories. But yet some of them are your favorites and some of them are not because it's based off the people. And politics is the same way. Look, right now we all got the basic fact of we're in this pandemic. There, damn, near two hundred thousand people who are dead. Every politician has that fact, but pay attention to how every politician uses that fact.
0: Weaponizes it's not all the same. it differently.
2: Yeah, they all right. do. And so mm-hmm. she was giving him some real shit there. And also, um, you know, we were talking about you know people who had to to have these kind of blow up arguments or things coming to a head. Um, In many ways, early on, this is him, things coming to the head between the two of them. It's not an argument, but she's telling him about himself so that he can be better and really compete in this mayoral race to know, like, you kind of come off like a little shit know-it-all, and -hmm. this is why. Even his own wife was like, while you playing, thank you for opening that door, plus one. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, plus one on that, homie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You come off kind of that way, so it was just like mm that um you know that was all that was a very interesting scene, and you know i I would say too you 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 were talking about Marlowe a minute ago, the thing that jamie hector the the actor who who plays Marlo does so well he is able to just deliver a coldness about Marlowe mm-hmm. just i mean just in a in a routine dalliance, if you will like it was something just so gutter about that whole scene. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, gutter more for her than him. It's just right. like, you, the the cold thing and also the charismatic thing, other than Chris and Snoop, and even them, I'm not 100% sure, like as we go through this, I'll, I'll recall, he looks at everybody like they just disposable. Right. Like they just disposable to him. Like, you could be here or not. You know, mm-hmm. like he said in that opening scene where we kind of met him, where he was like, do what you gotta do, because I got somewhere to be.
0: I gotta go. Do it or don't. I, gotta I got go, somewhere to be. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like
2: everybody, he looks in that fashion. Like, you know, you could be here or not. And I don't right. really care. And that would that's what makes his character just so cold blooded. So yeah, we both had uh definitely a lot of the same uh scenes. Now on to what age the best for you?
0: Uh media training.
2: Okay, <laughs> always when- good.
0: <laughs> Always good when Carcetti's uh, getting media trained. I can't tell you guys how much I can tell when the when when a celebrity has gotten to a point and they've sprung for the real good media training. Because remember, <laughs> working at TMZ, you start somebody pops for whatever reason, and then they you hit them up with a camera on the street. The person that you get after that first big single or after that first big movie comes is completely different after a little while into it after after the first one you they sit down they talk to you tell you all kinds of things they'll tell you about going to the bathroom and then after that you you say what's up to somebody on the street and they give you the celebrity prayer hands you know what i mean when they do that 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 joint like that like oh thank you so much i appreciate you good to see you yeah all of that so the media, when I saw him getting media trained and I saw that guy, I've seen that so much. And that's something that is never, as long as people, as long as famous people give interviews, as long as people, there's going to be the need to media train them. So media, yeah. tra- that's, and that's actually one of the first scenes I think I've ever seen in any show where I watch somebody get media trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell when it happens. So media training to me, uh, age the best. That and, you know, the uh, like relationship issues. Yeah. like. Like, really, what we're witnessing for Stringer and Avon is the end of a marriage. And, and you know, that's kind of when people stop growing together. When people stop growing together, what we're watching right now is Avon and Stringer, they've fallen out of love, they've stopped growing together, uh, and, you know, that's how relationships dissolve.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, all those issues that came out during their fight is that, You know, again, you've been in enough relationships. Like, you see, you see, you've seen this movie before the resentment, uh, the anger. You know, um, uh, the movie, I'm sure you've seen the movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie speaking of broken relationships. Um, Not necessarily them, but the relationship they broke out. Mr. and Mrs. Smith? (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Smith Mm -hmm. is that I think she says at the beginning of the movie, or he says it, is like, what do you call it when. You know, you're silent and you don't really know what to say to each other. He was like, that's called marriage. And it's like, like, or all the things that are left unsaid. And it's like, you get to a point where all the things that you have left unsaid, you actually have to say. And that's when you know it's over because you're willing to say those things that you know can only lead this to going into uh, one particular direction. Uh, To me, what aged the best. Look, and he also made me hungry. Lake trout sub, man. Lake trout carry out. But it's also Van's theory about when you get food, nah. somebody gets hurt.
0: Don't get food. Food is Don't a trap. Don't get food on the water. wire.
2: Don't right. get food. Don't right. get
0: food. Food is a trap. I want to go to the... La- I, when, when this is all over, man, we're going to take a way down in a hole. I, I, I say right now to all the ringer people who are listening right now from their spots, what I would like to do, maybe the series finale or something like that, I would like to tape it from Baltimore. I just want to have a Baltimore weekend of lake trout subs and pit beef sandwiches, tri-tip, all of that. Crab cakes, crab cakes, Uts crab chips. You know what I mean? Yeah, all of that. Maybe we can get in touch with Snoop and she can take me around so you know I know what's what. But yeah, don't get food in the wire. You die.
2: And uh, but I, it did make me wonder: is Lake Trout carry out where Snoop was eating, where they were scoping uh, to see, um, you know, what this woman that Marlo had his Little uh, tryst with, with, to see if she um uh, was was panned out, like see if she panned out. I was like, the name of the place was Lake Carey Carryout, and I was like, huh, mm. I gotta write that down to see if that place actually does um exist. Uh, anything for you,
0: age the worst? Couple of things, clubs. We don't do those anymore. We can't touch each other, or look at each other. Uh, so they were in the club. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Videotape when they were all, when the FBI oh, got yeah. killed, they were using actual videotapes. I yeah. haven't seen an actual videotape in years now. And something that Avon says to Stringer, he says like, like the Trump brothers. Nah, the, the Trump, Trump brothers. Because at one time in America, people, the name Trump was synonymous with business acumen. Wealth. And wealth. And all of those things, things have definitely changed. And no matter what side of things you're on, you have to admit that under scrutiny, that has kind of aged poorly.
2: Yes. Um, It's funny. I had um, the same thing because, uh, you know, I thought about how things have changed and also the fact that... That's when black people actually like Donald Trump. They liked him. <laughs> he was him. everywhere. He was everywhere. He's in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of Mitch and a lot of rap uh, rap lyrics. He was on the scene. Oh, how things have changed. Yep, yep. Um, I feel like I don't even have to have a Stringer Bell fuckboy moment because it's obvious <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's like on top of, you know, really it's about the way he is just getting just fucking hammered by Clay Davis it's like I am living <laughs> with every slick word that Clay Davis says to him because ultimately and again think about how long ago this has been the case for Stringer Bell where somebody could talk to him as greasy as Clay Davis has and does he treats him He you know he kind of treats him like he's stupid a lot of the times like you don't mm-hmm. understand how things work son it's generally Clay's disposition and he can't do shit to Clay Davis He gonna do, murder a senator? No, I mean, you know, you're not gonna murder a government official. Like, they'll find you in two seconds. Like, he can't even think that way, even though he may want to kill Clay Davis. And that's part of this frustrating cycle that he's in, is he knows that if he gets juice for this cash, that there's no recourse for him. He can't complain to the police, right? Mm -hmm. He can't go out and put a hit out on any of these people he's dealing with. So he's just going to be left holding that L. And yeah. so to see the slow developing L for Stringer Bell, it just, it just brings a joy to my heart because that L Listen, is coming in a massive major way.
0: Major way. Let me tell you why Clay Davis, real quick, is such an accomplished criminal con man. Because the first thing that a criminal con man does in a situation like this is they take your greatest strength and they turn it against you. Clay Davis continuously tells Stringer that the mentality that he's carefully, carefully curated over all of these years is worthless where he is right now. Is worthless where he is right now. See that same mentality that you brought? The street shit, all of that stuff like that. All of that. Everything else that everyone else praises Stringer for is useless here. So if you do not assimilate and become exactly who I am, there's nothing for you here. That right there completely depowers our intrepid hero, Stringer Bell. Um, But what
2: I also love, too, is that he uses his background as kind of a way to put him in his place all the Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And and I enjoy that so much. I'm like, go ahead, Mr. Community College 101. Um, (laughs) No, because he's always reminding him, like, not only does it not work... He's reminding him that he's not as smart as he thinks he is, which to me is great comeuppance for somebody who is too happy to remind his crew that, like, you ain't as smart as me just because I read an extra section in the Wall Street Journal. It's like, right. all right, dog, yeah. relax. Mm-hmm. So, if you know, see, this is what you expect from a farmer market, a farmer's market shopping oh, ass motherfucker blabble, like Leave him alone.
0: Oh. He's trying to get some fruit. This is why. <laughs> all right.
2: You know, <laughs> Mr. Antioxidants, uh huh, shit ain't funny <laughs> now, is it? <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. So Stringer Bell, like, I feel like from the here on out, I don't even need to do a fuckboy moment. I'm just gonna sit here and grin. Um, so uh, there was a lot of really good file this away for later. Um, one of the ones that struck me, and I guess I kind of forgotten about it. You know, because he did, uh, despite the, his auspicious start, he did become like kind of one of one of the favorite secondary uh, ca- characters. is prayers, like he's just so excited about learning about mm-hmm. like research. Oh, and... that's a
0: great one. Oh, that's oh, a man. great one. He's so Mel. excited
2: about like
0: everything. Oh, he's great... helping the
2: detail. Oh, Man, that's a great just, one. Just, just file
0: this joy away for
2: later. <laughs> that's all I got to tell you. File Why, this away
0: for later. Because they're, they're all crowding around him as he yeah. does up the, as if he's almost he's, teaching. He's them. figuring
2: out speed down. Like, right. it's just such a moment. And I just sat there and I was like, damn, Prez, damn. I thought so that one away.
0: I wrote this down where Daniels looks at Prez and goes, you know, you still scare me sometimes. Well, oh. You still, you still should be scared. <laughs>
2: yes, with good reason. With, <laughs> with good, good reason, reason. yeah. Right. Um, and uh, of course, everybody should pay attention to the woman Marlowe had sex with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just yes, take a mental shot of that of her. Not yeah. necessarily that scene, but of her, because uh, you might want to. <laughs> uh, Omar's grandmother.
0: Yes, that's a huge so, one I have down too. Mm-hmm. Huge.
2: Uh, the the appearance of Omar's grandmother is a huge file. This away for later, which. I think leads to honestly, this may be, I mean, it's easily top five, like funniest moments in the wire. Some right. of the what happens to his, his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's a big one. And uh I I uh, also circled McNulty telling Kima how to cheat, laying the game down quite flat. Mm-hmm. So how do you do this with these hotels? Really? Right. <laughs> Big I was like, boy, he ain't shit. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, here's what you do: just pretend you got a out of town assignment, and it works every time. Uh, so those are some of the file this away for later. trivia. Um, two people, two appearances that are of note in this. One is the character Roman, who is played by Clarence Clemens, the famous saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Yes. Um, yeah, he has a pretty significant role in this one. And also, in the opening scene, when the white girl bought the A-ball and he was just like, I'm just trying to be hospitable or something that he says from the from the hopper.
0: She's trying to be social.
2: Social, that's what the mm-hmm. word I was looking for. Yes, yeah, just trying to be social uh as you buy drugs that could eventually kill you. Mm-hmm. Um pay attention to who she is because she reappears in two more seasons. And you have you have to see the trajectory of what happens before you finally get it. Because uh, she actually has an encounter with bubs later on in this series um, mm. that should stick with people. And she's also the daughter of Richard Price, who is one of the the main writers on The Wire. So there's your trivia. All right, Vivian, we have reached the moment of truth. Mm-hmm. Who won this
0: episode? Uh, Stringer's an easy choice, um, but I think it's Marla.
2: You think uh, it's Marlowe? Okay. Yeah,
0: I think this is I what, did not
2: I thought for sure you were gonna say Stringer.
0: No, it's it's Stringer's an easy choice, right? But I, the reason why I say Marlowe is because Marlo is uh he, obviously he's a he's a big secondary character in this episode. I have him winning though because he shoots pretty straight here. Like it, like this episode really, in the time that we see Marlowe and the Stansfield organization on screen. They don't really miss, like Marlo. Everything, every hunch that Marlo has is correct. Every move that he makes is correct. You kind of see Avon is really losing a war to Marlo and deciding to go back to war with Omar as well. He's making bad decisions. That's that's a terrible decision on Avon's part to go at Omar too. He's got muscle now that's not out there fighting the Stansfields is looking for Omar, when Omar is kind of off doing his thing. So Avon's making some mistakes. Stringer's making some mistakes. But Marlo in this one, when I step back and look at it, it's like, yo, he really flexed and showed who he was in this one. So I have Marlo winning. Oh, even though Stringer is an easy choice, you can have him winning the episode.
2: Uh, well, but Marlo's a great choice too because I think the part of Marlo that, again, adds to his coldness is like not just the fact he thinks people are disposable, but he's a better tactician than Avon. Yes, Like he is, he, it's almost like a military style thinking where mm-hmm. he's just, th- he's just two or three steps ahead of the Barksdales and understands their schemes. You know, uh, that's why I made that comparison. It's like uh, when they did the first Terminator uh, sequel um, and then you got like some version of the Terminator that you just like, I think Arnold might get his ass whipped to this. So he T- got his 1, ass out- the T one thousand whooped his ass about ninety five percent of that movie, mm-hmm. and luckily <laughs> he was thrown a you know a bit of a lifeline and was able a, and able to win. But like Marlo's the T one thousand, and it's just you know no it, it, no matter how Avon tries to outmaneuver him, this guy's a, a he's just sharper. He's younger, a little more new school, knows the streets better. He's, he's got everything Avon doesn't. So there, I wouldn't even call it a chess match because. <laughs> Marlowe has just outmaneuvered him um, so thoroughly. Uh, for me, who won the episode is Hamsterdam. Hamsterdam won this episode. Okay, yeah. Because, um, you know, it, I, I thought it was really nuanced, the fact that, because we, we've we had these conversations, we as in a society, and maybe even as a global society, for sure, there have been a num- numerous conversations about making drug use legal. Like, that might be the actual way to curtail some of the violent crime, some of the other crime that springboards off of drug use. And what you see from this example is that even though that this is coming from, a, again, a well-intentioned idea, the problems that it creates. And Hamsterdam's the winner is because Bunny understands that his solution had problems. Mm. And so he works to get them some social services, um and really starts to see that, you know, being good police is more than just about containing crime. It's right. ultimately about how you deal with people and how you treat them and how you find the humanity in them. Well and, said, yeah. Yeah. And so for him to uh to be able to get you know, some some needles, some necessities So that even in the throes of a really awful time In a lot of these people's lives That he was going to provide an outlet for them To know that somebody actually considered them to be human beings So right. in that regard, I thought Amsterdam was the big winner of this
0: episode The here. difference between order and public safety There it is
2: <laughs> you said what I wanted to say, only smarter. <laughs> for sure. Um, well look, everybody, thanks again for hanging out with us for a breakdown of another episode of The Wire. It is it feels like season three went fast, man. Like, it did, we're, man.
0: It, we're close to the
1: end.
2: We're, we're on episode nine uh, coming up and, um, you know, this, this Stringer-Avon confrontation just reaches such a great boiling point, such a great climax in this season. Uh, anyway, we will uh, see you guys next time. Keep listening to us and keep watching The Wire.